Hey, Jen. Hey, Tina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Speaking of Racism. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Speaking of Racism, and my name is Jen Kinney. Today's episode is with Regina Jackson and Syra Rao from Race to Dinner. This is our second conversation. It's been a couple of years, but for those of you who don't know, Regina and Syra are co-founders of Race to Dinner, co-authors of White Women, Everything You Already Know About Your Own Racism and How to Do Better, and the subjects and executive producers of the film Deconstructing Karen. Regina, Syra, welcome to the show. How are you taking care of yourself? Because I do worry about you all the time. Like, how are you caring for your heart and your soul and your body and your mind? Yeah, what's getting you through this mess? The answer is, you know what, Jen? I'm getting better and better. And yesterday was a bad, it was one of the first bad days I've had in a long time. And I'll tell you why. Um, In terms of all this, like, you know, hate uh, I think I've gotten really good at blocking it out unless it involves my children and I've, you know, having some issues with my son's school. But aside from that, and we're working it out because um, I have an amazing black woman ally at the school uh, who's going to bat, which is great. But, you know, I think the past week has been mind blowing to me. And Regina and I were just talking about the on, on the phone about it. Like we knew that we had something pretty special with this book. Um but I don't. I think that the the scope and scale of the response by white women, black women, indigenous women, Asian women, Latina women, like you know, in the UK, in Canada, all over the US, has been shocking. I mean, like shocking, shocking, shocking. And so that is extremely gratifying to know that we're doing something that's helping. You know, I think every woman is seeing herself in it or seeing themselves in it, you know? And so that's fantastic. Yesterday I had a blip and I'll say, I'll say why. Um, So this book has been pulling water from stone. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, you know, it took an agent that I've had a white woman who I've known for many, many years who early on was tone policing me and telling me I had to play nicer if I wanted to get any of my stuff published to my running for Congress and her following the run for Congress and seeing what happened uh, with all these crazy people attacking me and really getting on board and having to, she, she sold this book in 36 hours, which does not happen in publishing to Penguin Random House to a white woman because she literally wrote this short letter that was like, I need this book and the 10 editors she sent it to all 10 white women you all need this book and you can make it happen so all of us can have the book. And out of the 10, three in- interviewed us and one bought it. So we had we had one offer, right? Then that white woman editor who bought it, bless her, uh, as we were writing it, her feedback every time was dumb it down, dumb it down, dumb it down. We're like, Jesus Christ, the bar is not six feet under, it's 60 million feet under. But thank God she did. right? And then she left and... The person who took over it as an editor is the the publisher of Penguin Books. It's a white man, publisher of Penguin Books. So he's bringing his power and his gravitas. Then what happens next is, you know, we get celebrity blurbers and amazing, you know, black and brown blurbers like Tina Strong. We get Chelsea Handler. We get Anna Paquin. And we realize that this book is really appealing to a lot of people. And then we get a Kirkus starred review. 
and we get like an incredible book list review and an incredible li library journal review. What this should mean in typical parlance around publishing is we should be on Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert, Today Show, Good Morning America. Guess what? Yep. We're not on anything. The only media we got this week in publication, and by the way, thousands, they went into a second printing a week before publication, and the first printing was close to 20,000 books. Uh, thousands of people are buying and reading this book is Essence. God bless Essence. Whatever Essence wants from us, wow. we give to Essence. Yeah, yeah. And San awesome. Francisco Chronicle, white guy slams the book. Those are the two bits of media. Katie Kirk's newsletter had assigned an op-ed to us. We wrote the op-ed. We undertook labor for free and they ghosted us. Channel 4 in the UK did a one hour. They took us oh. our game, one hour interview with us and the white bosses of the journalists who shall remain nameless because it is not their fault at all. Um, killed it because it didn't meet their journalistic um, integrity. Uh, Tiffany Cross had reached out to us last month to go on our show, and it went. And then her booker went silent. Come to find out what probably happened behind closed doors. Look, Tiffany Cross is no longer employed at MSNBC, mm -hmm. and now Amazon is not allowing a bunch of people who bought the book from Amazon to leave a review of the book. So. This is like, it, it really, yesterday, I was like, wow. this is, it's, it is every single turn. And it doesn't matter because the genie's out of the bottle. The genie of white women's fuckery is out of the bottle and it's not going back in. It doesn't matter what Amazon does. It doesn't matter what they don't do or do, like whatever. It, the, the message is coming out. So I'm back to, I, I, I was feeling pretty sad yesterday and now I'm feeling, I'm, I'm back up to my, my fighting self today. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're getting ready to burn some shit down, you guys. This week is happening, and that's what the two of you are known for. And so, just I'm I'm remembering being in conversation with both of you, Syra and Regina, back in 2020. Jen and I had you on the podcast that summer, and we were talking about race to dinner. And so now, fast forward through all of the shit show that has been just just so much that's taken place now we have the your book is out into the world it's just been a week since it was released white women how uh everything you already know about your own racism and how to do better and we are seeing the fallout we're seeing the fallout everywhere we saw the fallout start before the book was released right because um some oh, yeah. portions went viral what was it a couple of weeks ago? And was it real? Was it about the, you know, let me kind of keep things a little bit compartmentalized because I do want to talk about where you all are with race to dinner. Tell us about the documentary deconstructing Karen. Cause I know that in particular did get, you know, it did, it did get some of the vitriol from some media. Yeah. It's from, uh, Fox news. You know, he likened us to, uh, Pearl Harbor to the U.S. bombing Pearl Harbor, if you can imagine. <laughs> Say what what happened? Can you set that up? Because I know our let our audience does not know about that. I'd love to share what took place with that. Well, a clip got out of the documentary of me asking the people at the table. You know, like Jane Elliott, I want to give her credit. Said years ago. How many of you nice white people would trade places with a black person in this society? Okay, this, this is 
and nobody raised their hand. Well, one, one woman did, but I don't believe her. And the reason why is because they know. So when white women start talking to me, oh, we don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, if you didn't know, you'd be willing to trade places. So they know. Let's just establish that right up front. They know they don't want to be us because they know what we go through in this society. And then I proceeded to say, you know, we have criminalized black skin. If you have dark skin in this society, no matter what you do, you're always going to be seen as a threat and armed. Um, so, so that's what happened. And Fox News picked up the clip. And actually, they, they had invited us to be on Fox News before. And we're like, oh, hell no. We don't even share the same values. Our value is radical honesty. And we don't know what y'all are doing over there, but it's not radically honest. So we didn't go. So they did a whole five-minute hit piece on us about it was because Canada showed it. Can't like declare Canada had declared war on the U.S. just like Pearl Harbor. What does that tell you right there? Yeah, and and so can't the the documentary is deconstructing Karen as you said. It's going to be out in the U.S. on Thanksgiving, so everybody it's going to be out globally on Thanksgiving, so everybody will get to see it on Thanksgiving. Yes, Um, yes, yes. CBC in Canada, which is the biggest streamer in in Canada, bought the movie and showed the movie. And so what they were saying is by Canada's public broadcasting distributor, buying and airing this movie was akin to Pearl Harbor, was akin to World War II. So let's just back up here. A a random black woman and a random brown woman in the middle of goddamn Colorado having dinners with white ladies in in their dining rooms is akin to world war. That tells you actually everything you need to know about this country. It doesn't even matter if it's Fox News. And by the way, we've actually, we were asked to go months ago. We actually changed our mind because Pierce Morgan asked us to come on. Now that we've been ghosted by all the the liberal press, we'd go on Fox now because no one else is going to let us talk. You know, like you might as well take whatever you can get if CNN and MSNBC firing Tiffany Cross is not a small thing. That is a big thing. It's a huge thing. Tucker Carlson dragged her, and instead of having her back, that's the highest rated, Cross Connection's the highest rated show on MSNBC on the weekend, and they and they didn't just fire her, they like apparently like th- tossed her out on the street that day. That's how they treated her, is they, they effective immediately. And so, fuck these people, actually. And, and it's now a full court press to keep black and brown and frankly, white, anybody who's speaking the truth is an enemy of the state. That's essentially it. We are all enemies. The four of us here are enemies of the state. That's essentially yep. it. And, and you know, we think we have a uh, well-rounded media. We don't. All of the media is owned by conservatives. All of it. So if you're watching, and this is what I'm saying, you know what? We're going to have to shift our presence to Grio and the root. That's going to be it because no one else is going to tell the truth unless it's owned by something besides rich white dudes. Republicans at that. Yeah. And conservative saying this is code for racist. So even conservative voters, like racist. Mm -hmm. Have you heard anything from like the young Turks? Nope. Crickets. Silence. Nope. 
because that's a class. I mean, they have a they have a that's class reductionism right there, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. it's been it's been wild. And that clip of Regina that went went viral has has had upwards of ten million views, and we haven't found a, and and thank God. I mean, it's been serendipitous that we haven't found a mainstream distributor. We're going to release this on iTunes, but upwards of ten million views, something goes viral, and not even having an offer from Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or PBS, like, and we heard from the presidents of two of these networks that they see, quote, dollar signs on this thing, but they wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because it's so divisive. And so great, because one of them would have bought it and they would have buried it, literally never, you know, put it on page 17 of their documentary list and no one would ever know about it. So now we at least have control over it. Here, here's what I need people to understand. Since when is telling the truth divisive? Since when is calling people out about their white nonsense? And that's just what I call it. When you hear me talking about white people, you'll say all the nonsense. Since when is that divisive? And the fact that no one will touch it, um, and that includes air quotes, liberal outlets that includes yep. you know the the left yes. and and democrat yes. like all of these yep. things yeah. um is yep. really telling and i think we need to yes. be paying attention to who is giving opportunity for black and brown voices to speak the truth like you were saying regina and who is participating in actively upholding and silencing our voices um, and so that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm just honored to have your voices here um, and, and in the small ways that we have to, to amplify the messages that you all have been um, talking about for years and years and years. What we know is that white supremacy is not new. What we know is that white nonsense and white violence is not new. Um, and these dog whistles about divisiveness in, in having conversations yeah. about what is actually taking place um, and really calling things as they are and speaking the truth, um, we, we're just gonna continue to, um, to stand on what we know to be true. And we are believing and believing that folks that care about justice, that love justice, that want to see these oppressive systems dismantled, we, we're, we're just going to keep waving that flag and knowing that the people will, will come along with us. So Mike, I'm curious now, since I'd like to know about opening, about um, launching in Colorado, um, November 1st is when the book came out. And I would, I'm curious about the feedback that you have received. Obviously we've talked a lot about, you know, the hate and the shutdown, but what are some of the things that are surprising you when you are hearing from white women who are talking about the book, reading the book, encouraging other white women to read the book? What are some things that you all are hearing and seeing from the very white women that you wrote the book to? Um, most of them. Are you going to read something, Syra, from yeah, I'm some read of those? It. I'm pulling up. Oh, here, I'll read one. So this is this is truly an example. Uh, and there's hundreds of these. A white woman. I beseech every fellow white woman in my network to read this book cover to cover. Its contents are a gift from Regina Jackson and Syra Rao. 
born of deep love for humanity. It's and it's under 200 pages. This book is about us, the way we are, especially interpersonally, and how we continue to harm not just the world, but ourselves and one another, and how we can free ourselves. But first, we have to embrace the uncomfortable truths. And then she leaves these two quotes from the book. Quote, dismantling your racism isn't about learning something new. It's about unlearning that which you know deeply. And also, you need to be in the fight, not helping. To help is to be ancillary, to be outside the problem. You are the center of the problem. We, so many, I, I just, it's so many, so many, we, I can't even keep up with it. And so there are people, I mean, as many as these white women who we know are going to fuck us all today on election day, right? right. We know that. Right. Let's not be surprised. No one's surprised, right? Um, so many others are going silent, which is the equivalent of fucking us because silence is the same as action. And then there's this crew of white women who are ready because they understand they have a semblance of history and they've actually internalized it. My God, if the Regina's of the world die and the Cyrus of the world die, I'm going to be next. What's going to happen when we're all killed off. Right. I mean, it's like if, if it's all just cis straight, able-bodied white, people standing after this, it's going to be a full Hunger Games between them. No one's going to survive this. And so we know that from history. So we are seeing people come on board. And we're seeing women of color being so grateful. I have one here. Thank you for being here. Your work is beautiful and healing. Thank you for sharing your gifts and being here to witness mine in stillness mm -hmm. and gratitude. You know, I think black women, especially, but certainly indigenous and other women of color are being seen. They're being acknowledged. They're being affirmed for the first time ever. And I tell, I mentor students and I tell my black students in this society, you are going to have to affirm yourself and each other, because you're not going to get it from anywhere else. So I think, you know, the message is out there loud and clear. You know, either we want to have a society where everyone is given opportunities to excel, where everyone's gifts are acknowledged and appreciated, or we're going to live in a society where women are a second class citizen. And if they vote for that today, it's on white women. It is on white women. It is. It's on white women. And I know this is something that we talked about when in, in 2000, where are we? 2016, when we were looking at the numbers, how well, and we know that the numbers aren't the reason that Donald Trump became president. But what we do know is the numbers of white women that showed up to vote for Donald Trump in 2016 and then again in 2020. Um, more, the hope. More. Okay. Absolutely. So, so the hope is that as we, we would like to think that as things progress and as time goes on and as more um, learning is occurring and taking place and, and what we thought we were going to see after the summer of 2020 and the uprisings in the streets after George Floyd was killed, where we saw, you know, white women and, and, and white folks um, pick up 
temporarily the mantle of Black Lives Matter and and some of the the language around listen to Black women just for us to be right now it is it's 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 election day in 2022 and there is still a tremendous amount of white women who are not getting it, who have not, um, they, 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 they picked it up, I guess, possibly in 2020 for a few moments. And now we find ourselves continuing to be right back where we were looking at yeah. these elections and looking at either the complicity or the silence of white women in terms of talking about who they are voting for and why and getting behind policies that are going to be that are for black lives that are anti-police that are anti um that are there are for abortion that are for reproductive justice that are all of the um all all of these things what is what what is the missing component what would you say and i'm i'm also curious jen because i know you spend a lot of time getting your people you spend a lot of time on social media in particular talking to these white women, talking to liberal white women. Um, I'm interested to see what your thoughts are, um, Jen, in particular, because I guess you can be the spokesperson for the white women right now. Sure. Um, you get to be the spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, 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 are you, what are you feeling like is missing um, from maybe some of the uh, action slash distraction that we saw in the summer of 2020? to today and we're you know we're seeing um we're just not seeing what needs to take place with, with regards to white women taking responsibility and accountability for their sure. own complicity in white supremacy and, and how to do better i mean we have limited time here so i'm gonna try being the verbose person i am to to kind of hone in but something i want to pick up on is what syra and regina were talking about within their book and it's that this is deeply healing work and deeply healing work requires honesty and bravery. And so I think that there is something really missing, particularly in liberal and progressive spaces. And we see this with exactly what you all are talking about with the way the media has. I mean, Fox News and Piers Morgan are the two <laughs> outlets that reached out to you. Of all of these. And I just think it's so incredibly instructive to understand that you have all of these progressive spaces not willing to touch this because progressive movements do not want to deal with whiteness and eradicating whiteness. And so it's like, I just think there's, there's so much missing. And there's a depth of understanding that is missing. And for, for us white women who like have a glimpse into this, and 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 have a desire to be a part of changing this and tearing this down like we have to be brave and radically honest we need to step out of being experts we need to step out of like thinking we have control of things we need to go into a posture of humility and learning and being quiet and not centering ourselves there is so much discomfort involved in that and if there is anybody listening right now it's like who, who's kind of like eh, i don't know about this the the deeply healing aspect of this is kind of what i want to focus on it's scary to pick up a book and look into the darkness of what you have inside of you but there is an invitation in this to get free from that 
And, and so like, I think there's so much missing and I know that doesn't necessarily answer the question well, but I don't even know how to fully answer that question because it's just like whiteness is whiteness. And until people are willing to radically look at that and like dismantle it, like there, there's so much, there's so much more. Jen, I I think you make a very good point and I want to, I want to expound on that. Um, just this past last week, I rediscovered Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. And my belief is that most Americans and certainly black people never get above the first two levels. The first level is physiological needs, food, warmth, water, rest. The second level is safety needs. Certainly black Americans never get above that because we're police. We're policed by the police. We're policed by white women. We're policed by Asian women. We're policed by uh, white men. And so we never get above that. And the third one is belonging and love needs. And the top two is where you develop empathy, prestige, and feeling of accomplishments. And self-actualization, that's caring about other people. We we don't get there as Americans. Most of us are stuck in the bottom three level and certainly black people in the bottom two. And I imagine indigenous people and a lot of other people who are not white. So that's what we're dealing with. People not being able to have what they have on the lower levels to get to where you feel like you can care about other people. Yeah. I mean, yes, to both of you. And I would add another thing. I think that this experience, particularly with this book and this film has shown me something that I didn't quite fully wrap my brain around, which because capitalism and white supremacy are BFF, right? But when you have to pick between money, which, you know, the book and the film could generate people a lot of money and whiteness, whiteness wins. So what that has told me is even more than I originally thought. I think it really comes down to white supremacy is not just foundational. It's not just the sun, the moon, the air, whatever. It's galaxies. It's solar systems. Mm -hmm. It's actually more Mm -hmm. epic than I even thought. And I think what happened in 2020, having lived through that, right, all of us lived through that and saw that, is I think performative activism is a euphemism for something far more sinister, just like white fragility is a euphemism for white supremacy. I think all of this for white people, everything is a fad that you can buy and sell. And that was a fad. That was literally just a fad. Yeah. And in the end, you know, Regina talks about this a lot with gun violence in schools. The the vast majority of kids who are getting shot, Everyone's getting shut up, but like white kids, sort of like affluent white kids are, are often the targets of these shootings, that whiteness has robbed white people of their souls, of literally humanity. their souls. Of their humanity. And I think there is a tiny sliver of you. Jen, you're one of them. Lisa Bond, who works with us, is one of them. Patty Ivan Specht, who has directed this movie, Deconstructing Karen. Some of you have come out. And it's imperfect. And and as we talk about in the book, this work is imperfect. So this notion of even being perfect in this work is whiteness. But I think, you know, this whole thing about Russia 
and propaganda and blah, blah, blah. We are every bit as propagandized as Russians. This is a yep. show, Matrix, yep. Hunger Games, and we are the empire. Yep. We are the empire. So we have far more power than Russia. And in the end, I would argue that Americans are some of the most brainwashed people in the history of humanity. Americans in 2022 are some, and I, I include myself, I include black people, I include like all of us, right? We have, we have been beer bonging the water and all of us. And, uh, and it is a tiny miracle, it is a tiny miracle that any of us come out of this with any semblance. I've got, I, I, I'm terrified to, to think about what I don't know and what I'm not seeing and what I don't realize because right. it's so epic. And in some ways that makes me less afraid. And in some ways it makes me more afraid because I think we're all dancing with such a level of danger right now doing this work that we don't even like, and I'm not even talking about just bodily, you know, it's, this is dangerous on a scale that like, I don't think I had fully grasped until frankly the past two weeks, yeah. which is saying a lot. And the danger part is is very real and present, um, Syra. And, and so, you know, we uh, kind of started this uh, recording with Jen asking the question, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you caring for your heart, your mind, your body, your soul? Um, Syra, you spoke to it um, a bit. Regina, I'm, I'm curious about you. Um, you know, I, you know <laughs> I think I'm this big anomaly. I mean, I don't know. Say about myself, but pretty much, I don't give a fuck. I just don't. And sometimes I think, Regina, you know, you have disengaged. You're not connected, but I am. Because the things that mean something to me, I give my time, I give my talent, I give my money. But everything else, fuck it. Don't care. Don't are, care. Are we all eights care. on the Enneagram, Tina? <laughs> I think perhaps. Uh, yes, but I, I think we're also trying to reach the level of don't give a fuck that Regina's at. That's what our, that's where I'm trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have lived long enough and seen enough. You know, when people go on these social medias and they talk about, you know, the 60s or whatever, I can, you know, I was there. Right. I was uh, in high school. I can tell you exactly what happened because I remember it. So, so much of this stuff is just nonsense. It's just stuff to distract you from having a good life, from, you know, doing the things that are important for you, for loving the people that you want to love. So, so much of it. I don't even watch TV. I will go up in my bedroom at night and I will look at, you know, like, Res reservation dogs or something like that, you know, some short, but the rest of it, mm, don't care. Yeah. And, and I do think, I mean, Regina has really taught me that, which is X, you know what, in, in, in a lot of ways, what Regina is saying is the antidote. It's the weapon against whiteness because whiteness is necessarily predicating on caring about what other people think and external, not even validation, external everything, everything, especially in this era of social media, what other people think all the time. And so um, I think if you can really get used to and feel comfortable and almost even enjoy not like being a social pariah, great. 
I mean, like that is, and I would argue in, even in our individual communities, I mean, Regina told this story, um, in Denver at our launch last week about how her husband told her people think that she's crazy, you know? And she was like, what did you say? Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> and he said, that's why they think you're crazy. I'm like, don't care. Just, I don't care. They think whatever they want to think. I do not. I don't need external validation. I could care less what people think of me. I'm just not interested. You get who you get. Either deal with it or don't. That's your decision. Yeah. And, and I think that like for an Asian woman, right, like my role is to be a doormat and submissive um, and and like really, you know, seeking affirmation, being really nice and, and silent. And so I think my existence just subverts all of that. This is people. <laughs> yeah, it subverts all of that. And so I've grown, ext- I, I mean, I've gone through all of it, but I'm now on the side of like, I get such a kick out of watching people's ex- expressions when they recognize like, oh my, this is not, you're supposed to be like my pediatrician <laughs> and kicking my ass. Yep. Yeah. And, and look, I'm even still dressed and like somebody a, asked a that. Somebody asked that at the at the book launch. Somebody asked that of Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, <coughs> um, it's it's an interesting thing to let go of what other people think. And I'll be honest with you, I have even gotten. To, I've got kids still in school, so I'm much more conscious about how far I can take that. But I have even let go of. You know, my kids are. 12 and 14 and they're going to be out in the world on their own in the next, you know, six to 10 years. And they're going to, they already have had to navigate hell, frankly, in their short lives. And they're fine. They are fine. You know, and they're and, better than fine. Yeah, they're, they're great. better than fine. They're great. And so um, I think that's also quite shocking for, cause all these white moms and teachers like want my kids to be a mess and they're like absolutely right. not a mess. And because they want this narrative of like her work is harming them and that's just patently false. So I think if you can just let go of all the shit and live the way Regina Jackson has, um, you know, power to you, Regina, because I'm in deep gratitude for the rest of my life for that because it has set me free because I really and don't. what I know. Yeah. My husband wanted, what he wanted to say is, I think you're crazy. <laughs> But he didn't. But I know. Well, and something else that I think about is like when people are really in touch with their why as well, it is another layer and level of, right? Like, I I don't want to say protection, but it's another layer to that. So, what is your why? Do you feel like you're really in touch with your why? I know I am. You know, I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. You know, hopefully my line is going to continue and I want better for my children and my grandchildren than I have. That's my why. I want, you know, I work with schools. I mentor. I want all kids to be able to walk in a classroom, to have high expectations, for someone to support them, for someone to love them, regardless of how they look. That's my why. Yeah. yeah. And and I would say mine is all we have done, literally all we have done is identified the enemy of humanity. That's it. And the enemy of humanity is white supremacy. 
That is the enemy of humanity. And all we have done is identify it. And the reason that's such dangerous business is once you have an enemy, you can actually start fighting it. So if you have, if you don't know what the enemy is, if you don't have a name for the enemy, you can't fight it. Here we are in 2022. Look, here we are in 2022. So my why is there is no humanity if we don't eradicate this. It is over, let alone for our kids and grandkids and all that. Like there is no, the Amazon is being deforested. Thank God Bolsonaro is gone. Like that's going to take a, we're going to stymie that a bit but we are wrecking we are fucking wrecking the planet and so the why for me is we all know two things right if if you're on this planet well we know one thing actually that we're gonna die that's the only thing we know with certainty except for these motherfuckers like peter Thiel and elon musk who are trying to you know end end uh death aging and death but we know that that's not going to happen. Like th- we're we're all going to die. So if the fear of doing X, Y, and Z is social, you're gonna not get invited to a cocktail party. What happens next? We do this at our dinners. What happens next? Okay, my husband leaves me. Okay, what happens next? I lose my children because I'm crazy. Okay, what happens next? I'll be homeless. Then what? Then I there, no healthcare. Then what? Then I die. Okay, so your ultimate fear sticks six to sixteen steps out is death. What do we know with certainty is going to happen? You're gonna die. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. So, like, what is holding you back from trying to save ourselves? You know, from ourselves. I really, I really can't understand it now. And it's, it's, it's not even that I don't have. That's the other thing. White women. Syra doesn't like me. Syra doesn't respect me. I don't even think about y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Actually, shocked. I feel shocked. Not by your fuckery. I feel shocked by that you don't care that you actually don't care about the end of humanity. That's some shit. You care more about your Christmas card. That's what they're doing right now. You know, like making sure that they get their Christmas card and it's in, it's November, close to Christmas card time. That's what they're worried about. That's some shit. One of the things I know is that as human beings, fear stops us. Fear stops us from being the human beings we're meant to be. You know, if you can walk through whatever you're afraid of, you're going to be so much better on the other side. But every time you start getting, ooh, I'm afraid, just do it. What's the worst thing? I tell white women all the time. When you, you know, if somebody was beating their dog out in front of my house, there'd be 20 white people over here to save it. But you see a black or indigenous or a person of color being abused, you become silent. What the fuck are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are they going to do to you besides maybe hurt your feelings? You're a white woman. You have more privilege than almost everybody in this society. Speak up and stop letting other people be hurt and harmed. Yeah, I mean, white women in America in 2022 have more privilege and power than almost any other human in the history of time. Like, and and the fact that you all have reduced yourselves mm-hmm. to such a small, small, yeah. tiny, petty place, that's on you. Like, that is literally on you. And we people want to always be on the right side not only want to be on the right side of history they want to be heroes white people have painted this picture that they would be like the great saviors of all the folks who are you know chattel slaves and and indigenous folks but people want to be on the right side of history until they recognize what it entails in the present 
And all of the right. is that. speaking up and no one's willing, not no one, very few people are willing to do that. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I'm just sitting here thinking politically too about Tina's question earlier. And I think one of the things that Republicans do really well is they create this um, narrative for white folks to feel like they are persecuted and fear plays Mm -hmm. into that, right? Uh So I have Mm -hmm. no hope in white women to carry anything in this election or future (laughs) elections as long as they are clinging to their power, their privilege, that fear narrative, the persecution complex that the right so masterfully and manipulatively puts out there. Um, Yeah. Do you know what? Did you guys see that commercial? Did you guys see that commercial? (laughs) Really? Right? Wait, which one? I don't know. What is it? Oh, the one about the uh, white people are being persecuted and Uh all of that. I mean, it's crazy. When I was reading the book, this is how uh, anti-rape, I mean, uh, reverse racism. I was reading the book. I actually giggled when I read the word reverse racism in the audio book. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the Republicans are good at a lot of things, right? They're, They're organized. They're strategic. They know history. Um, they, they have, they're well-funded, but the thing that also has struck me, not in the past two weeks, I'd say in the past month. So first, you know, these fuckers came for me and Regina, look at us. Are we really that scary? Seriously? This is like, this is what they're scared of. They're not scared of us. Actually. They're scared of you, Jen, because if you actually stop being you and start doing the work that ends all of it. I mean, it literally ends all of it. Mm. And so that's why we got five minutes of airtime on Fox News primetime, 12 million eyeballs because of, holy shit, this is not just, I mean, what they did for have years is dragged us on Twitter. Like we've been mocked, dragged all of it. Um, But now suddenly, holy shit, they have a movie that the CBC is running. Oh my God. They have a book that Penguin Random House is publishing. Now we can't we can't just belittle them and make fun of them. This is like, because now white institutions are putting their stamp of approval on it. And what that means is a whole lot more of you, Jen Kinney's, uh, become very dangerous. And what do you all do instead? You vote in higher droves to fuck yourselves. Right. I mean, it's really like, yeah. It's well, Tina's face. And- <laughs> And that's my concern is like the thing that I'm really focusing on and trying to just navigate and figure out when it comes to getting my people is this retrenchment that we're seeing. And it is unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced. And the right has been really successful with this narrative. And it's very disheartening to see. Um, tell you know, us I wish I had something good that, to though. say. But tell us about that. Like, what are you seeing, Jen? with white women are you seeing white women that you know and interact with actually lurch white are you like what are you seeing so so i see some hopeful stuff and i see some silver lining stuff happening where i see white women going from the head knowledge and the you know superficial like i'm going to be a good white person and i'm going to be a good progressive or a good feminist and i'm going to say all of the right things to actually going deeper into their work But I'm also seeing white women on the right 
falling for these like conspiracy theories and QAnon and these ideas, you know, and just utilizing this language like we were talking about earlier. I don't know if it's on the recording, but, you know, using terms like grooming our children and this anti-CRT rhetoric in schools. You've got the Moms for Liberty. Like, there are forces politically that are strengthening, in my view, that are very terrifying and dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. And also, Mm -hmm. if I focus on the people who are doing it. I do see more people doing this. I do see more people digging in. I do see more people open. But it, you know, if I'm kind of comparing, it's still so out of balance, right? And that's so discouraging. So one of the things one of my friends who is a decolonial educator, like she focuses so much on Focus on also just beloved community with other human beings who are like-minded. Gather strength in that. Focus on connecting and and going deep and doing things communally and locally. And, you know, because sometimes it can get very overwhelming if you look at the big picture and try to even figure out how any of this is going to go, right? Um, So that's something that I really try to focus on as well as like, how do I go deep with the people who are invested in work for justice and dismantling mm-hmm. white supremacy. And I'm going to focus on them. And I'm also going to keep my eye on and be engaging my people who are seemingly lost. You know, Jen, and our white woman, our resident white woman really identified that when she created this course on whiteness, we have a, a eight week course on just whiteness. And what yeah. she identified is there's not really community Right. In the white community, because everything is so competitive, you're competing against each other. Who has the best house? You know, who's the skinniest? Blah, blah, blah. So, so true. we created a course on community. And, and that, I find, is really helpful. And That's I awesome. like, I, have you guys seen the Instagram with Beyonce's Cuff It song? Have you seen how that is just taking off? And I find that. I listen to that, I don't know how many times a day. My husband is over me. But I'm like, you know what I like about that? It's showing Black people having joy yes. in their community. Having joy. And, you know, when, when you have been oppressed the way we have been oppressed throughout history, you have to find joy. And I was talking to a Black woman friend, and she talked about how she went down to New Orleans after Katrina. And she said, Regina... These people didn't even have houses, but they had their barbecues and they had their music and they were dancing. They were having joy. And that's what I love about community. We always find ways to have joy. And Tina, that's your, I mean, Regina, you're going to love Tina's book when you read it, which comes out what, is it January, right, Tina? Yeah, it comes out in January. I mean, can, can you tell us, Tina, like how it feels to you as a black woman who's ejected out of the country? I mean, how does it feel to you? And what does it feel like looking in on what's happening over here? It looks, I'm going to say, honestly, it looks hopeful because I am seeing and hearing more conversation than ever before from black folks in particular and other folks of color who are calling bullshit on the American dream narrative and are finally starting to find their voices and say, 
I'm done. I'm, I, I'm tired of this. I am no longer going to accept this. I, I have to acknowledge, like Lorraine Hansberry said in the 50s, if I was asked, am I a free citizen of the United States of America? The answer is no. So I'm hopeful because I think that acknowledgement and that recognition that this is, and th that the, the fight against anti-black um, terrorism and violence um, is continuing at a, in a way that we were wrong when we thought because we had a black president for eight years that we were in something false called a post-racial society. We were yeah. wrong. And never what believed I, it. That yeah, and I, I so I am <laughs> encouraged because the response that I'm hearing from um, you know, early advanced readers' copies of my book is very similar to what I'm hearing from you all in that black folks, black women in particular are saying that they feel seen. And that is, in my mind, when we talk about, and when I, when I step back and look at the work that I do in the world and the way that I wanna contribute and what I want my legacy to be, that, Regina, what you just said, um, that we are, that I am demonstrating and living and being an example of black joy as the revolution, that's why I'm hopeful. Um, I, I, and, and so, you know, Regina and Syra, I'm, we've had conversations, you know, off, offline about, um, legacy trips. And I'm, I'm hoping that both of you will join me in Costa Rica at the end of 2023 so we can celebrate. <laughs> Can't um, wait. Can't wait. <laughs> so, so we can have this legacy trip that is dedicated to black and brown women and other women of color so that we can have an opportunity to just focus on our rest and our peace and our pleasure and our joy. Um, and, and so I'm really grateful that you both shared with us what the response has been from black women in particular and other um, brown women and other women of color and other folks of color. Um, I, I wanna kind of bring this to an end with this last question. I'm going to share, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to receive from you all the advanced reader's copy, so I, I did have a chance to have the manuscript um, several months ago. And what I wrote about it and what I have shared um, is, is this. I said, this book is a sharply defined lens through which white women who consider themselves allies need to see themselves, especially if they have any hope of stopping their patterns of harmful behavior towards black and brown and indigenous folks of color, truly divesting from whiteness and actually taking action in the fight against racism and white supremacy. I hate how necessary and important this book is for the white women who have open hearts and ears to hear and receive these truths from Syrah and Regina who tell it exactly like it is. If and when white women are ready to commit to racial justice, they need to move quickly beyond performative wokeness and graduate from fragility. And this book is a foundational text for the masterclass. Let me ask you this, Regina oh, and Syra. <laughs> when, when you both, when I consider your work, when I think of the ways that I first learned about you and what you were doing with Race to Dinner, um, your work with the documentary Deconstructing Karen, and now your work with this book, 
my question for you is, what do you hope your work will contribute to the world as a result of what you have been doing? You know, first of all, I want to acknowledge that um, Syra came into my life when I needed her. Okay, Syra gave me my voice because as a black woman who's almost 72 years old next month, you know, I had never talked back to racism, to white supremacy. I had never talked back, but I saw Syra. I said, well, shit, if she can do it, I can do it. So I want to acknowledge <laughs> that first of all. And I want to give other black, brown, indigenous women of color a voice to say, you don't have to put up with white nonsense. You can talk back. And I want to say to white women, if you don't want to become a incubator for babies, find your voice and join us in sisterhood. Because this country is trying, you know, we love to talk about Iran. At least they're in the street fighting for themselves. White women are still polishing their husband's shoes and fixing their lunch and all that nonsense. Stop it. Stop it. I hope that this, and, and by the way, Regina and I are very intentional um, about our union. I mean, I don't think that this would work in, in the way that it's working. It would work differently if it was two black women or if it was two Asian women. I think what we are modeling is that we are not going to be privy to uh, divide and conquer, right? So you're not going to put a wedge between the black woman and the model minority. It's not happening. And our pedagogy is that, and by the way, it's working, which is why people are freaking out, is white women, you stop caping for whiteness and you join us. And together we overthrow the whole thing. You join our intersectional sisterhood and then together, but we have to make it right. And what does that mean for me? It means acknowledging also how I've been institutionalized to hate myself and to hate black people. That's, and, and nothing, nothing changes until we do that. So I'm hoping for the long term, if we haven't all been erased off the planet in the present and what we're doing, all four of us here hasn't been erased from history, that it gives women of all colors and all ethnicities to aspire to actually live your life truly and with values. You don't have to be a victim to this soullessness, to this colonialism, to this capitalism, to this patriarchy, to this white supremacy. You can be better than that. You can be better than that. And I hope that this tiny little book and this short film is one little, if, if we can do this as two randos in the middle of America, you can do it too. Randos in Denver, Colorado, which we, which we call white conda for white people. Wakanda, Wakanda for white people, white conda. <laughs> Did you, wait, I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. Did you just call Denver white Wakanda? White conda. We actually, I always tell women at our dinners that in the black oh, community shit. in Denver, we call it Wakanda for white people. And one of the ladies said, a white lady, let's just call it white conda. <laughs> I think that's extra special for several reasons. One, Denver is known for being a little, you know, progressive. And Wakanda right. forever comes out on Friday. And so that's what we're talking about. So I just love how that uh, you brought that in. All um, fits, doesn't it? See, it, 
This work, what we're doing, is meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. And I think Mm. your book shows white women that there is a way out from whiteness. It's it's it lays it out. That's it. There's a way out. Yeah. It's permission to moonwalk your way out of the fuckery. Because yeah. you know what? Nobody is more miserable than white women. And as Lisa Bond will say, mm. Um, mm. the reason we hate you all is we see you and we see that you don't hate yourselves. Mm. Oh, mm. so good. Oh, my gosh. Whew. Well, come on and join us. <laughs> yeah. Come on and, and divest a, from whiteness. An and invitation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Read the book. Watch the documentary. Join us on Mighty Networks and let's all recover. I mean, I'm recovered, but the rest of y'all recover. By the way, we have a good time. Regina and I have a great time. So come join us. <laughs> we do have a good time. And that, that's right. And I, I think about the, um, the I, I am excited for the folks that will really read this book with open hearts and minds and receive the messaging and will choose to make a very intentional, personal decision to divest from harmful behaviors, divest from white supremacy and come and join our, our fight for collective liberation for all of humanity. I'm yes. so excited. Yes. Thank yes. you both for yes. the yes. work that you're Thank doing. You. Um, it's, it's incredible. Jen and I us. are, yeah, Jen and I are honored that you, um, to just to be in community with you, to be doing this work with you. Um, thank you for just giving us your time and, and sharing your hearts with, with us and with and, the audience. And, yes. and Tina, when it's time in a month or whatever, you tell us what you need us to do to help you get yeah, your we'll do it. world and you say the word and we're there. We're well, there. And I appreci- I, as I love to say to Syra, fuck your feelings and fuck my feelings too. This is not about people's feelings. <laughs> Can I just say as, can I just say, I don't think that there were any um, F-bombs in your book, but there's about 50 in mine. So I really love being in, yeah, we are all, you all are my people um, because we are, we're getting fucking free. And I really, I I love that about us. we can talk however we want to talk. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I I appreciate your offer um, to help uh, with with my book as well. What I really want for both of you is that both of you take care of yourselves, that both of you um, just 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 prioritize your rest and your peace and your healing and your pleasure and your joy. And I also just really, really want you to promise that you will come see me in Costa Rica in, in, in November. 